we either pay attention or pay the consequences. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum. And on this episode of the podcast, we have Justin Leanhard. Justin is a veteran, dad, and performance coach where he runs the Instagram page, Always Be an Athlete. And much like the name of this page hints, Justin showcases how you can always be an athlete, his philosophy to training that allows him to do so, the ability to be open-minded in his pursuit of knowledge, and why he believes everybody should be a movementologist. This was an awesome podcast with a really genuine and amazing dude, and I hope you guys get as much out of it as I did. Currently, I'm traveling for Christmas uh, and at a random coffee shop here recording this, so uh, sorry for the background music and noise, and I think we had a whole coffee thing spilled and dropped during this intro, so... Uh, we're all over the place, but it's probably a little bit better uh, scenic spot than my uh, my typical basement recording, but we're working on that. I just had a talk with one of the insiders about how to fix some of our lighting there. So hopefully in 2024, that's a little bit better. But uh, I just wanted to wish you guys a very, very Merry Christmas, and uh, I hope you guys a happy holiday weekend filled with family and loved ones. And I uh, really appreciate you guys' continued support, not only of just the podcast, but of everything that we do. Um and just taking the time out of you guys that day to listen, uh, uh, being an insider, buying the consults, buying merch, everything that you guys do keeps the wheels on this thing rolling. And I really cannot voice how much I appreciate that. So thank you guys for everything that you guys do. Um, thank you guys for the continued support. Thank you guys for the messages about how the podcast is helpful. Um, and we're not just talking to the void. So Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for taking the time out of your day. Hopefully you guys have a merry, very Merry Christmas and keep chopping wood. Boom. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF Nutrition and Lifestyle Guidelines. That includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite-level guests to unravel what high performance really is. I will coach. Welcome to podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Hey, thanks, man. I'm a big fan and honored to be here. We were just talking about our uh, pretty sweet uh, podcast setups here as our fitness professionals. I'm in, uh, in my basement that also serves as my room, and you, you're in the little rental truck a lot right now kind of unexpected things happen truck got broken into in a rental waiting for it to get repaired dog is going crazy in the back uh, <laughs> kind of thought the walk would fix that but apparently not so. <laughs> still going crazy she's like 14 and blind so she just kind of barks at nothing <laughs> she's, she's sensing it she's ready to go it's kind of like a metaphor for my life you know <laughs> that's awesome um uh one of our uh athletes just brought their like six month old pup to the gym today and it was going crazy we have like 60 yards of turf to run on and that thing was going nuts so uh 
they, they they're kind of born with that like, crazy crackhead energy yeah, i wish i was yeah yeah and i think that that's a perfect segue into what i kind of want to talk to you about is that crackhead energy you seem to have uh that always an athlete mentality we were talking a little bit before we started recording and honestly i had to i had to, I had to stop you because you were about to go on a rant i was like hell yeah we're gonna get this rant in I'm always about podcast. to go on a rant man <laughs> that's the best one, best one breath away from a rant yeah but one of the things that I'm pretty passionate about, and especially the most probably like six months has been this approach to anti-fragility in your training. And as soon as you give that up, the ability to, and not even physically give up the ability to move, but like mentally, it happens mentally first, where you start thinking you're fragile, you start thinking you're old, you start thinking you can't do things and you stop. And then you, it's this self-fulfilling prophecy of actually being unable to do them eventually. And one of the really cool things that I like about people like yourself is like, you're a fucking savage. You're a big dude moving in all these different ways. That is all. I, I just think there's so many cool things to that philosophy. And I, I just love to dive into that with you. And I mean, this could be a, you know, like I said earlier, this, I could talk for hours on this, man. Um, just my personal journey. I kind of fell into it, dude. Um, you know, growing up, I was a country boy. I love bodybuilding, kind of simple stuff. So I, I can relate a lot to these young guys, man. They're, they're, they're really black and white in their thinking. And that was me. I scoffed at all these other philosophies and movements when I was younger. And I love just big muscles and being strong. And then, you know, I got exposed to a little bit of athleticism, you know, football, high school first and then college. So, you know, that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And and then, um, honestly, man, like just even in the military, that was a different point of view. And then as I got older, just realizing that all that muscle I had put on, it wasn't a benefit. And uh, I had to really start approaching things with an open mind. It wasn't a deliberate approach at first. Now it's a little bit more so because I understand the value. But, you know, just like made, made a commitment to never say no to anything and never think that anything didn't have value until I tried it and just experiment and always like try to be learning and focus everything on movement, not strength or muscle size. People see me because I have a lot of muscle and they think that's why I can move that way and actually know it's almost a detriment. I have to spend extra time practicing those movements just to be able to move in a way I used to when I didn't have as much muscle because I don't want to give up my strength training and my body love for bodybuilding. Um, there's going to become a point in time in my life in my mid 40s where I'm going to have to lose a little bit of muscle size just for heart health and things like that. But in the meantime, I have to uh, keep my movement. And, you know, I, I went down a career path about 12 years ago as a speed coach and just that developed into something and just learning how to teach kids to move in the study of movement. I, I really started to incorporate that into my own sense of training. And then as I aged, I was still training a little irresponsible. I started to get these injuries and I, I didn't want to stop training. So I really had to learn how to work through and around those injuries. And it led to me becoming a much better trainer over time. And, and really <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that that's uh, you kind of answered a lot of the questions that I had there because when like we train a lot of military guys on our online program, and that's one of the biggest things is that black and white thinking, and especially the way of like a lot of times these military guys are having success in one aspect, but their bodies are falling apart. So it's kind of like you're succeeding despite of like you're just running your head into the wall. What like did somebody expose you to some of this movement stuff to like for that first eye opener moment of like, oh, I could do this a better way or like what 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 was that kind of journey? When did, when did you reach a point where you're like, I actually have to switch this up? I think there's two aspects to that. One is being honest with yourself, you know, like being completely honest when you're not succeeding at something or when you're not up to standard look inward instead of outward and, and not be like, I can't do this, but like, what do I need to do different to be able to compete here? So when I got in the military, like I was a bodybuilder, bro. 
I, I remember they told me I had to run my two miles in like 15 minutes or something. It was something stupid slow. I was like, is that even humanly possible? Like, <laughs> and then like, so I had to work into just a basic endurance, which I had really never done in my life. And then after that, you know, I was in the military, but when I got to Ranger Regiment, man, I was not keeping up, dude. And I had to really, you know, say, hey, either I'm not good enough to be here or I got to change the way I train. Mm. And, you know, all the smaller dudes, we just need to run more. And that was just impossible for me. I mean, I body would, I was 230 pounds, man. And we were running like 13 miles and, and just with my bone structure, I couldn't run more. So I really had to get creative with my training. Like, what, what things are going to help me run better without running more? And, and then I got into swimming and cycling and yoga and stair climbing, things that would enhance capabilities because I had an exercise science background, things that would enhance the capabilities I needed to run without directly increasing the amount of impacts I had on my body. So that's the first thing is to just, you know, be self-critical, not, not in a negative way, but be honest with yourself. And the second thing is, I think we're all exposed to things in life if we keep our eyes open. People don't just walk through life and have never heard of a TRX or have never heard about yoga or Pilates. They just kind of scoff at it and keep walking. And if you stop and just look at it and evaluate it and say, what, how could this benefit me and keep an open mind to it? Then I think you tend to, to enhance your own capabilities just with an open mind. So it's those two tenets, man. Yeah, that, that was all. And you said that earlier in the podcast that I really liked. It was like, make the commitment to never say no. Like, where does that, especially so like, especially from the the military background you're a big dude you're a leader not not that you're stubborn but like uh, people kind of like that have that build like myself i'm relating you to me so maybe maybe you don't have this natural background but like people like us like we, we're kind of succeeding we're, we're big people like not a lot of people tell us what to do how do you get out of the thought process because i know for me one of the things for me was like during covid where i had this like I was forced to leave my box at the gym for the first time. I had all these really smart coaches come on the podcast, talk about all this like movement stuff, talk about all these differential learning ways, constraint led ways to approach skill acquisition, all these things. And I still like, and I like, I like these ideas, but I just never, like I was still fighting myself. And then I was forced to get out of my own box because of COVID and train outside and like, didn't have the pretty barbells, didn't have the pretty weight room that I had before. And that switched up how I was training and that was like the forced make the commitment to never say no because I was forced to say no to the barbell for the first time and I had to start saying yes to other things. Yeah, where did you get that ability to or like the so, philosophy to commit to the decision to never say no? So I think two more two more things there is letting life humble you, right? Yeah. There's times in life where it will humble you if you let it. And when you're humbled, uh, you, you can develop an open mind and just realize that you don't know everything and you can get better. So allowing yourself to be humbled. And I think when we get to our late 20s, early 30s for the first time, this isn't just in working out, but this is in life in general. I think for the first time, we're like really humbled if we let ourselves be. Um, and the second thing is just to, uh, you know, let yourself be humbled, but then also, um, you know, accept the fact that people know things that you don't know and keep an open mind to those things. And, you know, I'm like, I'm still kind of, you know, there's things that I know I should do more of that I don't do. You know, remember that, uh, I think it's a Jim Carrey movie. It's not a great movie, but it's like, <laughs> I think it was like, yes, man, where you just start saying yes to things, you know? And I find that like, if I just say yes to things and just go into it with an open mind, it, I'm usually more often than not, I learned something from it. I remember I was dating a girl, man. And I liked the girl. I hated yoga. Never wanted to do yoga, but I liked the girl. So she wanted to do yoga. I was like, yeah, I'll go do yoga. That crap was hard, man. I didn't become a yogi, but I definitely drew from yoga stuff and just incorporated. it. That's another thing. People in our industry, they tend to bounce around. You ever notice that? They'll be all gung-ho for this. And then all of a sudden that thing sucks. And now they're gung-ho for this. You know, I'm like, you need to have a philosophy and tenets 
but then be willing to pull things in and incorporate things and blend them into what you do. Mm. So, yeah, Judd, Judd Logan, um, who passed away now, but he was an Ashland throws coach, one of like the legendary throwing coaches. One of his favorite sayings that I liked uh, was 90% of my program set in stone and I spend 90% of my time searching for that other 10%. And I was like, man, that, that is so money. And it, it's so true because like, like you said, like you can't just like you do see that like, program hopping. I kind of meme that a lot where it's like you never commit to anything like ever actually get anything out of it. You're doing this, doing that, but you never actually like know what you were supposed to learn or what was good, what was bad there. It's just kind of this is it. That's it. This is that's yeah. it. You're kind of and two things and can kind of be true in their own way. That's hard to explain. But like, it's you know, so people true, that say, yeah, they say things that seem to be uh, complete opposites, but both have their own truths if you really dive into it. You know what I mean? And like people think like on my Instagram and stuff, when I say I do this, it, it means that they shouldn't do something else. It means like, don't do that. Just do basic stuff. I'm like, no, do basic stuff too, <laughs> but just maybe try this. Or if you can't do the basic stuff for a while, now you have a bigger toolbox. They're like, you don't need all this fancy stuff. You just need the basics. And that is kind of true, but it's kind of also not true. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, like, 100%. The, the non, well, it's kind of funny because it's like, in social media is a game of like you can't be nuanced you can't spell out every single nuance in every single no, post. it's so true man <laughs> it's like you almost and so like I, so many times i have to remind people it's like this is one percent of one percent of what i do and i again a lot of it's just like i liked this idea i liked this philosophy of what i was doing and i liked sharing that or like hopefully this is inspiration for you to, but like because I'm doing this again does not mean we're not like the biggest thing is like, I'll show a lot of movement stuff on our page. Well, why don't you just F and lift? Like, why don't you just lift I know, right? <laughs> lift all the time? What are you talking about? Just like, what I, if, like I just can't, I'm not going to show a barbell back squat every single day. Like, I've already that's seen that. Exactly. That yeah. Yeah. So the stuff I show on Instagram, man, like that's not my workout, man. That's like the first 20 minutes of it, but I'm not going to show them my, them me doing like basic back squats. I mean, <laughs> I mean, not usually anyway. I mean, so they just don't see the basic stuff because the basic stuff they already know that would just be me like, showing off how much weight i can move around or something and that's not the purpose of my instagram you know like so yeah i hear it too or they see me doing the drills like why don't you just sprint and i'm like okay all right i do sprint man but i'm 40 years old i can't spend an hour and a half sprinting you know <laughs> so what does that first 20 minutes of a workout look like for you and how do you go about like crafting some of your movements some of your preparation work you, i see you do a lot of rotational type movements um and just a lot of really cool stuff seeing exercises like oh i want to try that is it like oh i have this idea is some of it creative is some of it are you are you testing some things out do you know everything's going to work like what's kind of that journey like you in those first 20 minutes yeah you a little, little bit of all that you know um but also like i don't really think about exercises because everybody's always like what's this exercise called i'm like i don't know man i made it up like 10 minutes ago <laughs> like so a lot of it is like what need do i need to work on right now and how can i how can i address that need it's not like oh check the box, do this exercise. It's like, I might take an exercise that has a name and I'm like, well, I need to add this to it or this angle or this tension to it, to, to work on the need that I have right now. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not like I just have an exercise library that I pull from, you know what I mean? Um, so a lot of times like stuff that I, you see, I had literally made that up that day. Now I had done 10,000 things that were very similar to that in the past, but that particular way of doing that, I did it just so it would fit that need on my day. And I don't do things for my Instagram followers. I just show what I do and what I would have done anyway. You know what I mean? So uh, basically, uh, you know, it varies, but when I start a workout, whether it be upper body or lower body or what have you, I normally start with a little, some isometric holds. So I just get my joints in the position they hurt and just kind of hold them there. 
um, just for 10 to 20 seconds. And then I'll do some like dynamic isometric holds where, you know, I'm actually pressing against something from that joint angle. And that only takes a couple minutes, man, you know, and then I'll go into something that has some kind of flow or sequence to it that targets the part of my body that hurts the most because I'm 43 years old, man. Every day something hurts, right? <laughs> so with an um, extensive so just, military background, we should say, yeah, you know, like, man, you, like you, you put your body through the ringer. Yeah, I abuse my body, bro. I got nerve damage and, and like elbow limitations and. Uh, torn rotator cuffs and arthritis and, and it's stuff from my stupid stuff I did younger, but then stuff I didn't really have a choice because I was in the military. Right. So anyway, then I just do a, fl a flower sequence move early in the workout. Um, and that's usually like on an upper body day or something like that. Um, you know, on the speed and dynamic days, I usually progress into hopping first with, you know, like extensive hopping into more intensive type things. But yeah, most of the rotational stuff that you see me do is, is normally done on my upper body days. And, and that's just the way I like to do it, man. I love total body workouts too. Got to find your path, right? Um, and, and all of that stuff takes like 15 minutes maybe. You know what I mean? And then I'll just warm up into like what I want my main lift of the, beat of the, of the day to be. And those are usually conventional lifts, but I always kind of put my own twist on them. You know what I mean? But the, I mean, they're big basic lifts. It's like a dumbbell row. I just do my dumbbell rows different than you. You know, it's like a Bulgarian split squat, but I'll just add little factors to the Bulgarian split squat. You know, like it's simple. It's it's basic stuff. Everybody's like, why is it? Why do you do all this fancy stuff? It's not fancy, man. It's basic. It's basic exercises utilizing principles that will optimize the exercise. But it's still a basic exercise. Got the, the, the point you mentioned at the beginning where it's like you are creating the exercise around the stimulus you are looking to get. Like uh, that is such like how trapped in our own thinking we are because we, we just can't I, I talk about it all the time like we can't see movement for movement we can't see stimulus for stimulus something like as simple as like a handstand push-up like we can't see that as even a vertical pressing stimulus because there's no barbell there's no dumbbell like, it is crazy how trapped into like and we're trapping ourselves there's no reason we're trapped we don't have to be trapped we're just so trapped into we're supposed to think this way we're supposed to see that way that it's not helpful for us because now we can't, oh my, let's say, uh, I feel like I want to work some T-spine stuff. I only have three exercises to choose from because it's set in my thing. Whereas like, there's probably 14 better ways to do it. One, maybe some that are more interesting, maybe some that are more effective, maybe some that just hit the body in a different way. And that was your exercise, your drill for you. Or that, was your that you can utilize based on the tools you have at hand on that day. Yes. You, know, you don't need like a super special setup. And it's pretty sad. And that's something I talked about red pilling the strength conditioning community about is like, you got to be able to see stimulus for stimulus. You just got to see what's in front of you. And again, solve the movement problem that you have the, the movement problem that you're having what are you trying to do in this moment what hurts what do you want to warm up what do you want to get better at and then start there rather than starting with uh i need to do an a skip today because it's what we do on us <laughs> like if we it's what we do on tuesdays you know it's like okay <laughs> well, where, yeah. where are we going with that <laughs> i mean we literally have put ourselves in our own prison and like like you said if as long as we're re confined to a list of exercises we will always be limited and confined but if you look at it like this okay and, and i always tell this to people there are only three primary colors right and from those three colors we can derive millions of colors now there are seven basic movement patterns plus a plethora of, of other patterns like, you know, adduction, internal, external rotation, inversion, eversion, all that stuff. So if you take those seven patterns plus all the other ways that humans can move subtly, now, if you can make a million colors out of three prior, imagine how many movements and exercises you could make out of all of those patterns. 
So there's literally no limit in what you can do. Everybody's always like, aren't you afraid you're going to run out of exercises? I'm like, literally, bro. No, <laughs> there's millions of ways because they're not exercises. They're just movements, man. It's so true. And, and one of the things that I talk about, because in the strength conditioning world, one of the questions I get is like, how do you get so creative with what you're doing? You just like, once you start painting, like you just get better at painting. Once you get better at using those seven movement patterns that you talked about, you just get better at coming up with different ways. And it's again, again, it's not even really being, I guess it is creative, but it's not like we're just pulling it out of thin air. It's just like, I've, I've painted for so long that I know how to make yeah. purple out of my three primary colors. You know, now, since I make purple before I can make a different shade of purple and I can do that, but you don't get there until you start doing it. And that that's one of the things like once you start this freedom and you, you leave your box, you get so much better at it so quickly. You're just like, you're seeing things on the spot. Like, oh, if I just add this little twist, I bet that athlete's going to feel that. Or I bet I'm going to feel this in this situation. And you try it out. And again, the one of the things I talk about too is like the data points that you get from this are so much better too, because you can try and exercise. But, oh, that wasn't it. Or I didn't feel that or that wasn't great. But now you got that data point that you didn't have before because you were only sticking with your your three primary colors. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, your three primary colors. You're not getting any more data points when you're not experimenting with some of these things. So, I mean, the purists, I'm like, just uh, there's nothing at all wrong with the squat, bench and deadlift, man. I love those movements. But the stump effect is not everyone can do those and not everyone should do those, unfortunately. And the guys that just beat their head against the wall saying, yes, they can. Yeah, maybe eventually you can work back into a deadlift. But do you even want to do that necessarily? You know what I mean? Like, that's your path, man. That might not be somebody else's. Somebody else might not just care just how much weight they can pick off the ground with a barbell. And, and I feel like that makes people mad almost. Like, there are endurance athletes out there. They could care less about how much they can deadlift. Now, getting stronger in that movement pattern will help them with their sport probably, you know. But that doesn't mean they have to do a barbell deadlift, <laughs> you know. And just like I'm not going to tell somebody that loves the barbell deadlift that they have to do trap bar deadlifts or whatever it is you know what i mean and then if you can expand on the movement and just think of the body as a machine and start analyzing the levers the moment arms the torque the velocity the force curve things like that then it just explodes right because then it, it's not just about movement it's about physics and then you can really because like now somebody will be like oh and they say it in almost a hopeless way i can't do this and before they even finish i got 10 other things they can do instead because you've done it for so long, you know, it's like, oh, I can never overhead press. And I got this, 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 and this, you know, like, what do you want to do? You tell me, oh, you can't do that. Oh, I got that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. So man, that's why I love it, dude. It's just like, it, this is how I like to be creative. You know? and, and one of the things that you, you mentioned there, you need a background knowledge. Because one of the things that you see, and, and I, you can't really fault people because you do see a lot of coaches that are just throwing random shit at the wall. And like, so they're just they're they are creating exercises for the Instagram algorithm. And it's just like throwing shit at the wall. So I understand where that thought process or disdain for that comes from. But one of the things that like when you're actually implementing this in a sports performance setting where you are working with an athlete that can't go overhead or a client that can't go overhead and you have 17, but like you need to understand the levers, you need to understand the torque, you need to understand what positions to put them in. And so it turns from this thought process where coaches are like, well, that's just a lazy way to program. You're just throwing crap at the wall to mm. actually there's a lot more nuance that goes on there with the individual athlete, with ourselves, with that creation. than just we're supposed to overhead press today. So we're overhead pressing. And, and that's one of the things that I have like kind of a beef with with the, the strength conditioning community. Sometimes it's like these super linearly progressed 
strict programs I looked at almost like virtue signaled of like, I programmed it out 52 weeks in advance and never changed anything. And like, that was like the hard, like sign. That's the hard science. I did the hard science. Like that's, that's not at all what is happening with the living, breathing athlete in front no. of you that you are. And also, with. man, like you're limiting your measure of progression by one metric, dude, weight, right? There's a, there's a, so many different ways an athlete can progress rather than just how much weight they can move. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we don't need to get in all that, but like, it's just, you're limiting yourself to just a load on a bar basically, which is a valid metric. It's not the only metric though, you know, like, yeah, man, I always say that like, never do fancy for fancy's sake. I always say simple done well is better than fancy done wrong. And if these people saw me train my clients, they, they would recognize basic exercises. It's only when that exercise is unsuitable for them. It's uncomfortable for them. It creates pain. It worsens an injury. Or maybe I'll do something to just optimize it, add as some kind of accommodation or some kind of support. But like, it, I and then I only do fancy when fancy helps. You know what I mean? And then I also take into consideration the setup. If the setup is going to take an hour and a half, like I see some of these dudes and they do these cool looking exercises. Can you imagine how long it took to set that thing up? It's not time efficient. <laughs> the, the, the setup, and especially if you're in anywhere where it's like a YMCA, it's like, bro, you're going to kick out of that place. God, man. <laughs> So with, with some of this movement stuff, this is a question that I get asked a lot. What are some of your KPIs? Like, what are you looking at with your individual athletes when you say weight's not the only way to measure it? Like, like what are some of the things you're looking at when you're working with your clients, when you're working with your athletes, when oh, you're working man. with yourself yeah. too, with some of these movement capacities, whether it's a tangible number or not, like, how are you dictating success? Some of it is subjective, right? Like movement quality. That's mm -hmm. just eyeballing things, you know? Um, some of it's sequencing. Are 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 their joints sequencing better? Is their knee joint helping out with the with the hand clean now? You know, um, because sometimes they might be fatigued and the weight's not going up, but they're sequencing better. Um, you know, it's bar speed or 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 movement velocity or time or how fast they can recover between sets and still move the same load. Um, and then there is the the old how many times can they move that load without getting fatigued. Um, I mean, there's just so many different metrics, man. And and the thing is, the metric has to meet the objective of the athlete or the person too, right? Like if you're a power lifter, I don't really care how many times you can bench press 225, you know? Um, bar speed comes into play there a little bit, but not as much as like for a football player, you know? Um, it's things like that, man. The range of motion, dude. Like maybe you could only get that bar three inches from your chest before. And now you can press it from off your chest. Or maybe you can press it from a dead stop where before you couldn't. You know, um, maybe the top half of the movement you, you get stronger at, you know, like there's so many different metrics, man. But each all those metrics is needs to be like, what do we need to improve upon? And then we we determine the metric after that. Right. I think one of the big things behind those metrics, too, is like a lot of it, just the confidence that it brings back to the athlete or client's body, too, which I think is one of the most underrated and under talked about metrics we can do. Man, that, that athlete just feels better, moves better, is more confident in what their body's able to do, whether it's a role. Like, I've seen silly things like getting an athlete to be able to do a cartwheel for the first time. Get yeah, them Like, that right. was a bigger KPI than anything because now they can do the cartwheel. And they're like, whoa, well, like, I never thought I would ever be able to do that. What else can I do? And, like, from that moment forward, everything else you do is just gas on the fire. Like, you started that fire in that athlete, and now it's just like, oh, I'm doing that. My like, body's capable now. And that that that's one of the biggest things that I'm passionate about when I'm working with athletes and clients. It's like they got to think their body's capable, and everything around us right now is telling us our bodies are incapable. Whether it's like all the way from how we 
work with doctors, how we work with food, whatever it is, like everything is thrown at us that you are incapable. You need our help. And strength coaches do not help that situation at all with our whole like injury prevention type stuff that we throw at kids and like them think they're fragile. And we oh, man, get to that. a point where uh, we're getting athletes to believe in themselves. Uh, I hate it when, you know, I hear coaches and, and the, the person or the kids in there for the first time. And right away, it's a dozen things like you're doing this wrong. You know, this isn't right. This is a dysfunction. Like, why are you going to use the term dysfunction, dysfunction. for a session? Oh, man. Yeah, like, you know, I'm always, a, I'm a big fan of psychology, right? And like, you know, of uh, sandwiching things, you know? Like, if you're going to have something critical to say about somebody, start with something positive, say what you need to say that's critical, and then finish with something positive. Never see a kid come in and like, there can be a million things wrong with him, but I guarantee you can find something that he's doing right or she's doing right. And let them know that first, man. Don't let them come in there thinking they're all screwed up. You know, like, hey, you're good, but we can build on good rather than, oh, you're all messed up and you need me or you'll never succeed. That's like, that's the opposite. I want these kids and, and adults to eventually feel enabled to succeed on their own and, and be their own coach. Yeah. And, and enabled, not because you disabled them to start, which is like yeah, some right. of these pre-assessment things we're doing. I, I've seen an athlete, perfectly functioning athlete, will go into a place, whether it's a rehab or whatever it is. And like, they all come back out and be like, yeah, they told me my hips jacked up, my shoulders jacked up, my neck's jacked up. I was like, well, did you have any problems before? No. I'm like, well, dude, like, <laughs> what do you mean by jacked up? Like, what are we talking about? So now you have an athlete that has never thought about their knee, shoulder, or neck before thinking about all three because you had to disable them because what you sell is the ability to come back from there. And it's, man, it, it's just such a bad way to do it. And I, I've been really struggling with the philosophy of, is it ill-intended? Do you know what you're doing? Or is it ignorance? Either way, like, it's not super yeah. forgivable, but like, like some like, oh man, pre-assessments with some of these kids is just so messed up. You have a perfectly functioning athlete going into a place. So and true. again, that's not telling an athlete, oh, like, look at this. We could definitely improve. Like, you are fine here and we can improve. We can get faster, bigger, stronger. You can do all those things without telling them they are broken and messed up. Take it as a optimize, not fix, right? Mm, that's a good yeah, way. Let's optimize. Let's let's work. First of all, we're working together, right? I'm not I'm not controlling you. We're working together. Uh, this is a team, and and if you succeed, then we succeed. You don't succeed because of me. We succeed because of us, right? It's a team effort, and we're gonna optimize you, not fix you, right? I I hate that notion of I'm gonna fix you, and only I can fix you, and I'll be the I'll be the source of that fixing. You know, it's just such an egotistical way to look at things. And it's, it does way more harm than I really think we understand it does. Because again, I've, I've talked about this so many times on the podcast, but you get athletes thinking like that when they're 20 years old, what does that look like when they're 40? They think they have a jacked up knee when they have a fully functioning knee. I just saw them sprint, jump, land, do everything, no pain, nothing, fully functioning knee. Now you got them starting to think about their knee. They can't do movements. You take away movements at 20. What does that look like when they're 40? When their knees are probably oh, a little cranky at them when they are 40, because they have put their body through the ringer, you know? And also, man, like you're looking at a person on any given day. So, like, if you have an injury or tightness, it might affect your movement pattern on that day. Now, like, that might change, man. That doesn't mean you're – you might be walking with more external rotation in your right side because your pair's inflamed on that one day. doesn't mean you're perma permanently turned out. You know, that's another thing. It's like, see this – how about they say, hey, today it looks like you're a little bit here. Maybe we can optimize that. Let's work yeah. on that together. Not that's like, a, oh, that's such a good up. point. That's such a good point. Like these, oh man, it's just like on that certain day. Yeah. You could have had the worst, worst day ever the day before or the day of going in. And now you've got that athlete thinking their knees messed up because yeah, something's jacked up there. Well, I had a question this morning. One of my athletes asked me, we, we have a lot of 
post-collegiate athletes training with us that are not doing any sport. They're just training with us and still getting after it. And one of the things he asks is like, man, I admire them for like continuing to train the way they train. Like I have something to train for. Like, I wonder what that is within them. And now you have somebody like yourself where the military, obviously you are training because you are trying to survive, accomplish the mission and keep your buddies alive. Like, that is a big fucking why for why your body is capable and then you have that taken away and that big mission isn't there. And that's one of the things that I, I would like to know your philosophy behind of like, what keeps you training the way that you train? Like, what's that philosophy or the, the energy there that, like, what are you prepping for? What is it? Like, what keeps you going like that? Um, you know, uh, several factors. Like part of it is like, you have to find your own motivation. And mine is like, I worked with kids and I need to be able to move around with them and demonstrate, right? I can't be hobbling around trying to teach them. And I want to hang on to that for as long as possible. Two is I have my own kid. And, you know, I have this dream about squatting with him or something when he's 20 years old and I'm, you know, 60 years old you know, or not 60, but 55. And, you know, like those two things. Um, but also like just, you know, being able to hop down off a ledge or like pick up, play a pickup game of basketball. Let's not lose a part of my life. Now, I don't have to train as intensely as I do for that, but that's where just I enjoy that masochistic pain and challenge comes in. And that's a personal thing. I think sometimes that's even to my own detriment because I walk around a little sore all the time and I flare up injuries and I don't rest enough. And I recognize that, man, because it's just like I get in there and I'm just like, I wonder how much I can take or I wonder how much I can move. And I'm always like experimenting with things, but that's just my curiosity. But my motivation for staying healthy is just being able to stay a complete human being for as long as I can. You know, like I, I don't understand how it doesn't bother these dudes that they know that they can never jump down off a ledge ever again. They just gave it up. It doesn't bother them. They can see this 20-year-old dude hopping in and out of a boat or, you know, or I see these 20-year-old dudes and they don't know how to swing a sledgehammer. It doesn't bother you. You can't do, like, basic manly thing. <laughs> like, you don't have to swing a sledgehammer. Like, that would that would bother me, man. You know, like, I don't know. Where do you, where do you think that comes from? Why do you think we have gotten to a point as a society where it's kind of, we kind of do degrade like that? Like, like as humans, like, it seems like past 30, like 80%. What, what was the stat that everybody was tweeting out the other day? Like, after 30, 90% of men don't sprint ever again or something crazy like that. Like, they get much sooner and much higher, man. I would say after the age of 20, probably 95%. Mm. And then that's the one thing. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but that's crazy to me because like, think of the one defining factor of youth, right? What is the one thing all kids do? They run everywhere. You're always having to tell kids to not run. And I don't mean jog. They are like literally sprinting every, and like at the drop of a hat, they're sprinting, right? So if I had to think of youth, that is the one thing. It's not smooth skin or anything like that. But we do everything else to try to maintain our youth. We get cosmetic surgery. We take anabolics. We take growth hormone, sleep therapy. But the one defining characteristic of youth is being able to sprint. And we give that up in a heartbeat. And I just can never figure out why. And like, it doesn't even, you tell me that jogging is more fun to you than sprinting. And I got it. If you're into jogging, you get that uh, endorphin release and you love being out in nature. I got that. But if you're in there trudging away on a treadmill to try to lose weight, you're telling me that's more enjoyable than going out and seeing how fast you can be. Like, I'm shocked. It's going to be hard for me to ever accept that. Yep. And I think people just like, they forgot how fun it was. Mm. And they're afraid that they just can never do it again. You think if they just remember how fun it was, just like playing basketball, man, or, you know, I think we forget how fun that is. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how, man, it's just, I was watching pickup soccer. So our fields are rented out by pickup soccer's all the time. Like they play pickup soccer on it and they had this work company there and it was like the oldest person there was maybe 35 but it was like young graduates working at this company that were playing this pickup soccer game and i saw three ankles sprained 
at this soccer game, the lowest intensity soccer game I had ever seen. They were goofing <laughs> around like chicken and three ankle sprain. I was like, how, how unprepared for life are we right now that in this soccer game where we are just like, they're walking through this. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm lifting while they're doing this. I don't know any of them. I'm just looking at it. I'm like watching from the outside. And I saw one dude go down when he's playing goalie. And I'm like, oh no, he just sprained his ankle. And then two more people through the, I think they rented the field for like two hours or something like that. <laughs> two more people when they were running like his ankles. I was like, what is going on? And I was just like, they have just completely stopped moving to where to point like that soccer game is like a 70 inch depth drop for us or us getting cut yeah. tackled by a huge yeah. linebacker or something like that's what pushes our body. But we've gotten to a point where that is that level. And that means everyday life is such a higher level of stimulus too. And it's like, man, it makes sense why so many people are so stressed out all day. And it actually is. You're pushing your body to the like eight out of 10 level for simple task all day long because you're actually physically mm -hmm. degrading in front of yourself mm -hmm. in your youth that was a crazy thing like that it was like looking at this it wasn't like these corporate execs that were like 50 years no, old man. coming down here man it was like the oldest was a young looking maybe 33 to 34 year old person it happens fast dude and it's funny it's kind of a curve sometimes i see it a lot like kids get out of high school or college and they'll degrade throughout their 20s their 20s will be some of the most out of shape they've ever been right and then if they're lucky some of them have this wake-up call and kind of rededicate themselves to a comprehensive fitness plan and they'll get in the best shape of their life in their mid to late 30s i see that happen all the time where it's like man imagine where you could be if, if you're throughout your entire 20s you were optimizing your systems mm. but, but i mean it's better than nothing i and, and, and props to those dudes but i see some of the worst shape dudes get in are right when they they get out of that structured program where they're being told what to do and they're on their own for the first time and then they just like bench press and do curls and tricep pushdowns and they just stop running and moving and so it's just like it's it's crazy to me that like dudes are the worst about this too we think that we can stay good at something without practicing it on a regular basis there's dudes in there that haven't sprinted you ever see those like they, they'll post them on like tiktok or something every once in a while or i don't know where where like for the fantasy draft they'll they like sprint they'll, they'll do run the 40s the 40. and they all like sprain their like pull their hamstrings you literally thought you could go for 10 years without sprinting and then sprint and be okay i don't want to call you stupid bro but i mean like not the smartest thing you know <laughs> Well, I, I, th I think one of the things that I talk about a lot, too, is like our movement culture is just so shitty in America to where like you get out of that structured setting where movement was killed for you. It was not fun. It was not shown no, in a good that. light. It, it was yep. used as punishment. You get out yep. of that and like, I'm never fucking doing that again, bro. That's like, why on, would you, you just ruined that for me. And that Absolutely. is another thing that is not talked enough about in like <laughs> our field of like. You guys are killing movement for these kids after yes. four years of being with you, which is insane so because true. your entire job is to expose them to movement. Your entire job. And they hate, oh man, that frustrates me so much. I hate it too, man. Of course favorite. they don't like doing it. You've killed it yeah. for them. Like one of the priorities is like when a kid comes to me, man, this is going to be fun for that kid. You know, it'll be challenging and difficult. It's going to be fun. And I'm going to lift them up and I'm going to encourage them. I, I'm not there to yell at these kids. They get yelled at all day long. Everything's miserable for them. They're going to feel a sense of success. They're going to leave there being built up. They're going to find enjoyment from it. You know what I mean? Because if you do that, things can be difficult and kind of painful and still be fun. Things don't have to be pain-free to be fun, right? And I hate that. That's spot on, man. I hate what our youth coaches are doing to our young people. They are literally ruining movement for them, just like you said, for the rest of their lives. You know, like sprinting is never sprinting, man. It's conditioning. It's conditioning until you throw up. It's being yelled at while you do it. It's being told you that you suck. And there's different ways to condition, first of all. 
But it's like, because it's easy for the coaches. It's hard for a coach to teach speed mm-hmm. or teach patterns. It's easy to say, hey, just run till you puke. And I'll sit here and, you know, look at my phone or something, you know. Um, and I don't want, I want to get away from, so my thing is, I want people to think of themselves as, as movementists instead mm-hmm. of scientists. Because all humans were meant to move. Now, we're all meant to move in our own special way with different proportions and shapes and physiologies. But we're all creatures of movement. And I consider myself a movementist. You know, like I'm always studying movement and I don't think you need to be an expert in the field to study movement. You can just consciously go about paying attention to how people move and how you're moving and find ways to move better. That, that's I mean, spot on. Yeah. That, that's, a, that, that, that's a banger. And how how you're moving, too, I think is something that that is a big piece as well Is like, how are you moving? One of the things I see that we do is like we take an athlete's ownership away of that question because they always look to you for that answer. Did I move good? Did I move bad? Was that good? Was that bad? And one of the things I talk about is when I have a new athlete at my gym, it's it's hilarious because they'll do something. And as soon as they do it, they look to me like they they, 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 they didn't say anything. I'm just standing there. And as soon as they do something, they do a jump, a vertical jump, a sprint, whatever. It's always look. It's like, what do you want from me? Well, was it good? I don't know. Was it good? How to feel? What? What? You know? And I think there's a big so to bring that ownership piece back. And some of these athletes get super frustrated with it right away. And then it's they always come back like, oh, this is like because they they want like this quick hitting answer, and they've always been given it because coaches want to feel <laughs> like they have this answer. And that's never say never guide or help your athletes at all, but it's just expose them to a little bit of that like, self exploration of movement. That's and, so and, true, man. And you'll be amazed by how much ownership they take from that. Yeah. And if they figure, you know, the self-taught people always learn things the best. And like some of the greatest coaches in history, whether it be golf coaches or, or track coaches or whatever, you'll see them coach, man, and they don't say a lot, dude. I mean, it almost looks like they're a little aloof sometimes and not paying attention, but they take in everything. Mm-hmm. And the athlete at the end will be like, how was it? And they'll be like, I don't know how to feel. And, you know, and you can tell based on the feedback that that coach thing gives at the very end that the coach noticed everything. He just wanted to give that athlete, like you're saying, a chance to work through it on by themselves. And then being able to work through something on your own, like, you know, better than I do. Figuring something on your own, you learn it way better, man. You know, and that's so true, dude. And and we're all, you know, when I post something on Instagram, people jump in there and be like, hey, that's the wrong way to do it. And and I don't really like to argue with them and say, no, it's not. But, uh, but I want to be like, why was it the wrong way? Why, in your view, was that the wrong way? And maybe are there other ways to move that both that aren't right or wrong, but are maybe different, offer different benefits, maybe more or less optimal for that athlete at that time, based on what they're trying to accomplish. Why are we so quick to say that's the wrong way to do something? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, especially when we don't really like that. That's the thing that frustrates me too. It's like, it's not like we have this, like one size fit all answer. You know, like if we had all the answers, I say this all the time, but like if we had all the answers, we could take anybody we want and make them an Olympian. You know, like if that was actually like our ability to like, well, if you just did it this way, you'd be an Olympian. Like we just, so we don't even have the answer to back up what we're saying. We're kind of just throwing stuff at the wall. And again, it is an experiment. That's not to say never say anything. It's not to say work on some things, but a lot of times it feels like we say we have a one size fits answer, one size fits all answer, but that answer doesn't lead to the results that we're we're preaching. And sometimes, man, it's not, you know, suboptimal doesn't mean useless. Mm. So I see coaches that are having athletes do these exercises that I consider maybe suboptimal, right? But I keep my mouth shut because it doesn't mean that that exercise or whether I'm doing is useless. The, that athlete is still getting benefit from that, even if I think that they could be doing something a little bit better, right? I think sometimes we need to just keep our mouth shut. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and so that kind of leads me to one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. You have a huge following on Instagram. Um, and with a following, as I'm learning throughout this like, last year, it's like, how do you keep your sanity, man? Especially with some of like the things going on. Like, and you seem like a very at peace person, even just like talking. Like, like how do you keep your peace? How do you keep your sanity? Like, what's your approach to the whole social media side of things? So my my stuff was kind of an anomaly, man. It, I had like ten thousand followers, and then I posted a video of simple speed drills, and it just blew up, right? So my stuff blew up in a hurry, and I wasn't really ready for it. And I seem like a laid back dude, but I get kind of fiery, man. <laughs> Some of the comments, you know, I had to, I'm still in the process of learning how to like respond or better or just not respond. <laughs> and at first it was a little bit rough, man. And, you know, I got a ton of steroid comments, dude, in the beginning. But I'm like, dude, that is not even the point of what I'm trying to post. You are so caught up in how big my muscles are. And I'm not talking about ways to get your muscles bigger for the most part. I'm talking about ways to move better. And ways that if you are a bigger dude or you have done steroids for a long time and you feel like you can't move, ways to maybe move better. And people think like, oh, you don't get big muscles by skipping. I'm like, yeah, of course you don't. I never once said you did. But there's more to life than big muscles, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, he's lying to people. I'm like, lying about what? Lying about like hip mobility? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just funny, dude. I just, it's like, it's not like I'm mad at them for making accusations. I'm mad at them for just like missing the point, man. You're missing the point. I'm on here trying to help people and you guys are just like telling people they should give up because you can never possibly be that big and blah 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 it's like it ain't about my muscle size man so yeah yeah, it, yeah it's hard man it's adjustment to make and i gotta get back to self-care man i haven't meditated lately i haven't read lately it's just been i'm still trying to optimize like my subscription uh page for these people to make sure they get value out of that i'm trying to work on like a website and an ebook and you know take advantage just so i can help as many people as i can but i, I gotta find balance again soon bro Absolutely. And that, that was one of the things I was going to ask you about too. It looks like you're doing some subscription base. It looks like you're dropping a website for some training. Like kind of the future look like business wise for you. Like, do you have any ideas coming up? Like, what's your, uh, what's your process? So I want to make, you know, the subscribers, I want to give them content that I can spend more time, but both answering the questions they have, like actually video responses to give them in-depth answers. That's why it's the subscription is a little bit expensive. And then also like drop reels and stuff where I go into an in-depth explanation of the videos of like why I do each exercise, which I just don't have the time to on my feed. You know what I mean? It's not like I, I want to keep that away from people. I just don't have the time. And then, you know, I, I, I am training some people online now. It's a lot of work, man. And I think I'm going to steer away from that. And I, I'm just trying to make an ebook now that just follows my principles and philosophies on training and just a general way to help guide people through that process that I did and kind of how I suggest that they go about doing it. So that's kind of the next steps, man. I got to get away from So it may be an app where I'm always like a choose your own adventure guy, right? So like when my clients come in, what I like to do if I can, I know they have to do a hinge, right? And sometimes I don't really care what hinge they do. So I'm like, hey, what do you want to do today? You want to do single leg RDLs? Do you want to do you know, pseudo single leg RDLs? Do you want to do um, 45 degree hip hinges? Do you want to do the reverse hyper? Because I don't really care because... It's not like they don't, each one of those things doesn't have their own unique value, but they're at a point where all of those things will value them. And I let them choose their exercise. And I don't want them to think if they, I want them to try everything, but I don't want them to think if they hate something, they have to do it. So, you know, like a lot of times I'll train my adults with total body because they only come in two or three times a week. So I let them pick one horizontal push and I'll give them like six options or four, three options or whatever, one horizontal row. And each option I give them will be something that I know is appropriate for them, Right. And then I give them different lunge options and I give them different squat options and let them kind of choose their own workout to an extent within the framework that I know is going to be healthy for them.
And then I'll blend it together for them and guide them through it after they've chose the exercise. Because honestly, a lot of times the exercise itself is the least important part of that workout. Especially like in one of the things I look at there too, it, it, let's just take a squat for short squatty guys or like guys that have wide shoulders, whatever, like the squat is just a beautiful lift for them. And they got really strong doing it because it fit their body and it was amazing for them. Uh, and then you have some athletes that just, they don't respond well to it. doesn't work for them, whatever it is, you know, like doesn't work. Some well of the best athletes. And yeah, and it's like trying to, I just like, my whole thing is like, I try to give my athletes as many tools for the legs as, let's say just stick with legs, like as many tools for the legs as possible. And there's, it's so cool when you find the one that is their squat, that is their king of exercises, just seeing yeah. how fast they progress and how, like how much more they can load. And it's like, that would never work for me, but you're not me. And that yeah. that's the, that's yeah. the beautiful thing of this whole thing. We're just, again, sticking on, with stimulus bro. to stimulus. And now they can make so much more progress because they just found an exercise, whether it's they enjoy it more, it fits their body better, whatever it is. But it doesn't really matter because your goal. Honestly, is man, some of the best athletes are the worst squatters. They're just not built for it, dude. They have these hips that are built for speed. They're not built for extreme ranges of motion. A lot of them don't have wide hips. A lot of them have like shorter torsos. You know, like the things that make a great athlete in a lot of sports are the same things that make a horrible squatter. It's so true. And, and that's why, like, I'm never going to tell a kid not to elevate his heels, man. If you don't have the ankle mobility, elevate your heels if it makes it more comfortable. No, that was a huge, uh, I remember I was just so beat into like the blue pill way of thinking. Elevating your heels is like a cop out way of like you're taking ankle mobility out of it. And I was just sitting and I was like, I was so stuck in that thought process for like the first, when I was in college, it was probably like sophomore year of college until first year out of college i was like man i can squat without the heel elevated i can do all this and like that you're just taking the easy way out like doing all these things I and was then i was like looking at every single person that told me like don't squat without slam boards was a person just absolutely built to squat i'm like of yeah, course right. this is just the biggest personal bias ever and yeah, I, I would do the same thing i went through the same process bro and, and I like I was so the like, one time like one of the my fellow strength coaches he brought out a slam bar to squat up. This feels fucking amazing. Like yeah, what am I hey, doing? Brother, I, um, I, I put one of my athletes on it that was struggling to squat. They squatted perfectly first time. Like that feels way better. I'm, this was so stupid, and I was just told that for so long that it was like I yeah. had meatheaded in my head of like yeah, it's the easy way. That's why I have grace for these people too because I've been there, man. You know what I mean? Brother, so, yeah. Hey, can we pause this uh, Zoom call because? My glass got broken in my truck, and this and the safety glass people just called me. I just need to call them back. Yeah, we, uh, and we're back. That was uh, we had a little um, little car break right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're we're back in action though. Um, we we're, both of us were trying to remember um, what we were talking about before, and uh, we realized like the CTE has hit us both, and we need to uh, we <laughs> we need the physical activity to take care of our brain a little bit more. Don't tell me more than one thing at a time and then write that thing down. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> well, that was my B. Well, I had, um, I was drinking coffee at the start of this podcast when we were rolling and then you had to call and like that coffee hit me. So I had to sprint upstairs <laughs> and, and go for that. And I didn't write down what we were talking about. So listeners that made it this far, I'm sorry, but we messed that up. But, um, yeah, um, we can wrap this up, I guess, uh, going through. I really appreciate your philosophy, man. That was awesome. Like we ripped for, 54 minutes pretty much straight with no warm-up and uh i think it's what kind of the world needs to hear a little bit more of like the philosophy and maybe this is kind of where we kind of wrap it up and end it's like the philosophy needs to change in the way that strength conditioning is presented to people and sports performance is presented to people and where do you like how do you feel like 
we can implement that change? Where do you feel like the biggest disconnect is there? Because like, it seems like it's only going to go worse because the only way to sell things to people is like the, you are broken, you need me mentality. Um, and it, it seems kind of dark to me of like where the field goes, the more we make money off of it, but we need to make money off of it. It's not, I'm not saying throw out like capitalism for like the money. Like <laughs> there's obviously like I'm benefiting from that exponentially from what I was at the college sector when I was coaching there. And I talk to people all the time about making money, but like other than like, is it just being better coaches and being better people? Like how do you stop kind of the BS that we're seeing spread? You know, I'm a big fan of like, you only worry about what you can affect. Right. And like, you know, the, it's a cliche, but you be the change you want to see in the world. And I, I can't really worry about the direction that, that fitness is going. I see it, but I can't do anything about it. All I can do is change how I approach it and talk to as many people as I can like you, like like-minded people about what we want it to look like. And and for me, that's a, a take a more um, collaborative approach rather than a competitive approach, rather be more inclusive than exclusive, be more optimal and suboptimal versus right or wrong, um, be encouraging rather than discouraging, you know, like just try to be that, you know what I mean? Um, and then if others choose to do different, I can't affect that. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to add to the problem. You're not going to. Well, that's my commitment anyway, um, is to not add to the problem. Um, okay. But other than that, man, I can't can't do much about it. You know? with, with that, that, that is a question that I had for you earlier. And with your commitment to never saying no, like, how do you yourself weed out or call out the snake oil? that is kind of sold to some athletes where like, you know, like, Oh, that there's not good intention there. That is something bad. Like, how do you, is it, you try it first and you realize what, like, how, how do you, cause there is like a, there's kind of a fine line there. Like, I, I struggled like thinking about this myself of like giving things a chance and also looking at like, Oh, that person just selling snake oil to that athlete or to the community of people. Like you don't need to try that. Like what's your thought process there? So you got to treat some of that with kid gloves because a lot of the times these people sell, selling the snake oil to kids is somebody that that kid has a personal and emotional investment to or that person. Like it's like a mom in the neighborhood pushing like vegan protein, saying that whey protein doesn't work for them, you know? So you can't just call that person an idiot, you know? Um, what I tend to do is like, well, based on my experience, research has pointed in other directions or their research seems to have these drawbacks potentially because usually – I'm aware of the research, right? You know, at least a, a cursory knowledge of it, you know, that, that that claims to to show certain things. And I'm aware of the limitations of these studies and the dearth or other studies that show differently that those people choose conveniently to ignore. So I, I tend to take more of a research approach to it. And then also, like, I appeal to their common sense. I'm like, well, common sense would say this, this, and this, right? Rather than saying that that person is just an idiot and wrong and has ill intentions. You know what I mean? I just and I just encourage them. And this isn't just with fitness. This is with life, politics, everything. Just look at an alternate viewpoint. Consider other options. Don't just swallow what they're putting into your mouth. Right. Chew it around a little bit. If you want to spit it out, don't feel bad about spitting it out. Um, but, yeah, you got to treat that stuff with kid gloves, man, because you're going to alienate people. You know, because I mean? there's an emotive bond that these people have. Like if somebody has a connection to like one of these podcast people and they're telling them something and they have a deep bond with that person. If you say that person's an idiot to not listen to them, you're going to alienate yourself from that person you're trying to affect. You know what I mean? So you can't lose that emotive bond with somebody. Um, it, that is more important than than pointing out how wrong you think somebody is. Mm. And, and then one of the things that you said I really liked there was like you can choose two on something. You can 
take a bite of something, chew on it and decide to spit it out or swallow it. And I think right now our, our world is either you better swallow that or you're not a part of us. Or if you mm -hmm. chew on that at all, you're not a part of us. And it's mm -hmm. like, so it's like you're forcing one way or the other, that person to just go down one path or the other without like, there's no, there's no, obviously like the thing that's talking about, there's no, none of this middle ground to be able to play back and forth of like trying out something and seeing and again just because you try it out does not mean you're you're the evil person the most evil person ever you know it's like you're just trying that out to see okay yeah. where is that going why do they think this way that because there's a smart person that's saying this or what i believe to be smart is it all bullshit or is there something there i'm chewing on it take it nope okay i'm gonna go back to some of these things but yeah man our, our environment just doesn't allow us to taste any of the foods that are the ideas that are all around us in an age of information where there are ideas all around us you know like it's made it worse man it's like the spread of misinformation spreads much more rapidly than information because true information is complex and has subtleties mm. a lot of times misinformation is simplified and easy to digest you know it's like the pudding where like you know the truth is like this complex salad man and it's not for everybody because it's a lot of times what they eat isn't what they want to hear and people swallow what tastes better to them. And, you know, a lot of times people aren't seeking the truth. They're seeking things that make them feel comfortable and justify their beliefs. That's and true. as coaches, I think we're putting a spot to have one-on-one -on -one time with these people and help them kind of evaluate life in general and, and be more contemplative about things. And don't be so knee-jerk and tend to think a little bit for yourself. You know what I mean? And don't just like spoon feed them what you want them to believe, you know? That's that's I mean, that's so true. And I'm, I'm sure you've had this experience, too. But every reel that has blown up for me on Instagram is the lowest IQ reel I could have ever. Oh, my God, dude. It's like I put oh 10 my... seconds into that thing. I was either making a meme or a joke or it was like they just be like just goofing around. I like that exercise. And those are always the ones you put any thought into, like any depth into your Instagram posts. It's like it's a so... quarter. I work with some guys that are really smart dudes. This one dude has like a jump science uh, Instagram. His stuff is like insightful, science-driven, inquisitive. And he's got like 30,000 followers, right? And it's taking him like 40,000. It's taking him like six years to get 40,000 followers, right? And I was like, and I got like 100,000 in like a week. And I'm like, bro, you're too smart for people, man. I, like, I hopped around and got 50,000 followers, dude. <laughs> like you need to dumb it down. <laughs> I was like, your stuff is too smart. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I hate to say that, but it's like all the people I follow, I've been following for years. They got great content. Well done. 50,000 followers, maybe you know, a lot of those people, you know, and it's like the amount of followers you have doesn't mean doesn't dictate how smart you are or how good of a coach you are. You know what I mean? Like sometimes these people, they just don't know how to like dumb it down for the masses. But a key there, though, is if you want to reach the masses, you got to dumb it down every once in a while. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I talk about that all the time. And like a lot of our business consults we do, it's like that you got to, like you said, the ebb and flow, like you got to dumb it down and stuff. And there's a skill. I think that's one of the things that allows me to do it too. Is like, I wasn't good at dumbing it down for a long time or like taking the pressure off myself. And I'm like, wow, there's a skill and an art to that as well. So like that kind of gets me going of like, okay, how can I simplify this as much as possible? And then hopefully the next post there's depth. So like I bring in the mass and the next yeah. post hopefully educate and them in some For regard. me too. I had to get over the the need to feel like I always had to qualify things yes. you know, that I said that like, well, this is true, but only in these circumstances. And there's cases where it's not true and blah, 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 because people just zone out. They want a simple answer. And even though even if it's not 100 percent true, because there are um, complexities that go into that, it's still true enough. Right. And yeah, basically. <laughs>
Fuck yeah. Well, hey, coach, this was awesome. I'll let you uh, get back to your car, but I want to thank you for being on and uh, taking the time out of your day to do this. All right, brother, it's a pleasure. I like what you do, man. Do good stuff. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.